But uh, Yasiel Puig, as I'm sure you've heard, is convinced that L.A. is uh, taking down Milwaukee in four games. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I don't see that happening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 3-0 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. Here's your host... Kyle Corwin. What up, what up, and welcome back to the 3 Take, the official podcast of Dirt to Diamonds Baseball. This is episode 14. I'll be your host, Kyle Corwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nate Reyes. Nate, tell the people, have you already moved on to the 2019 season? No, I'm depressed. I'm in denial. You're not already looking forward to next year? I... Mentally, you've you've already checked out? I'm just so sad. I'm so sad. Yeah, I'm still wearing I'm still wearing a Yankee shirt today. That's impressive. That's I'll give you I'll give you credit for that. Well, it's only because I have like 40 Yankee shirts in my closet. So I don't know if I did it on accident or it was my typical routine. Just default. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sad. Yeah, it was a real heartbreaking way to to call it a season. The way that it ended, that was. It's it's. I was telling other people the other day, like, I I I don't know if I would have preferred to just lose to four to one. Over making that that run in the ninth, to where it was close. You know, like I don't I don't know what I prefer. I've seen a lot of Yankee fans on Twitter talking about that, kind of going back and forth. Like, did we want to did we want to see the team kind of fight back in the last inning, or sh- should we have just been done with it and bowed out gracefully yeah i mean it just uh i think it kind of summed up what this season has been for the yankees it's been um inconsistent you know like because it's still you know everyone talks about like well they're a hundred win team but i didn't i didn't feel that dominance of a hundred win team Obviously, the Red Sox and the Astros were two dominant teams throughout the regular season. And there were never any any woes talking about those teams. I think the most negative thing talked about the Astros was their injury-plagued month that they had, where Correa was unhealthy and Altuve was on the DL and all that stuff. But there was a lot of negativity around the Yankees' season. For being a 100-win team, Like there was a lot of negative talk about Boone, Gary Sanchez was miserable behind the plate, the roller coaster of a year um, between consistency of Stanton and, you know, Aaron Judge injury. So, like, it was a lot of, like, negativity wrapped around a 100-year, 100-win year, and it was like, I don't know, it just it didn't feel quite right, and that's kind of what that last game felt like. It was like that a ball that Gary Sanchez hit to the track. It was like it was almost like ah, I think that was as close as we're gonna get to winning this thing. Yeah, I would say that was a very symbolic moment of that game. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like you're right on that. Like being a Red Sox guy, watching that in the ninth inning, even when you guys had runners on base for whatever reason, I don't know what it was. I just didn't feel concerned. Like I wasn't concerned. 
as I would have been in in years past. Like there was just something about this game, maybe just this season in general, where I was like, I just don't feel like anything is going to happen here. Like we're fine. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised Sale didn't just pitch the ninth as well. Yeah, I mean, Cora's mantra pretty much this whole year is just do whatever it takes, and I think even just putting him out there for the eighth was beneficial for the team, obviously, because we all know the bullpen for the Sox has been iffy this year, which I find a little ironic. Uh, New York had chances with their offense to score against a shaky, shaky Red Sox pen in game four, but they couldn't find a way. Also ironic, I thought it was funny that Christian Vasquez, after all the talk going back and forth about these two teams, about like the stadium dimensions and, and short porches and all that nonsense, I, I thought it was ironic that, a ba- that basically the the run that wins the game, wins the series, is a Christian Vasquez home run that basically goes like 300 feet. Yeah. It, it was yeah, a more was fitting way to win that series. The flick of the wrist, for sure. It, uh... I don't know. I'm just devastated. I really am. And it, I think it was rough that, you know, Aaron Boone didn't learn from game three with Seve. He did the same situation with CC. He trolled him out there for, you know, another inning and just wasn't the right move once again. Well, I mean, in no way am I saying that Aaron Boone has been brilliant in terms of managerial decisions this year but one stat that i'm not sure if you've you've come across yet since the series ended but i think a little fault is to be placed on a little blame rather is to be placed on the yankees offense they batted a buck 54 with runners in scoring position during that series they had one extra base hit with runners in scoring position yeah, they've been miserable like that for the last probably month, I would say. Um, just really, truly bad with runners in scoring position. And I don't know what it what it's like in, inside of an MLB clubhouse. I don't know what conversations are like with your coaching staff as a player. But I truly feel that there isn't a conversation being had about having an approach at the plate. I don't think players are are learning what it's like to have an approach. For example, that ninth inning, Giancarlo Stanton, absolutely horrible AB. Clutch. I I understand Gary Sanchez almost left the yard, but it was a first pitch fastball up and in, and he's late on it. After he just walked the guy in front, after he just hit the guy in front of you. I think it was a hit-by-pitch on Neil Walker, right? Yep. And then Gary Sanchez comes up. So it's like, have an approach. That ball wasn't a strike. I understand it was a high fastball, and maybe you have an opportunity to to send it. But if I'm looking at that pitch, I need to be, if anything, early, not late. I need to be yanking that down the line, saying, ah, I I knew that was coming, and I was just a little ahead, versus I'm surprised by this, and I'm fouling it straight back. There isn't an approach to the situation. There isn't an approach to the type of pitch I'm looking for. There, It's almost like no one's paying attention when they're on deck. I feel like the only guy that hit in the playoffs was Aaron Judge. Gleyber Torres has been bad for about a month. 
Miguel and Duhard got benched last night for Neil Walker, probably more for defensive purposes, but he hasn't done anything at the plate either. I think Didi's wrist is still bothering him no matter what reports say because he didn't hit either. It was just like, oh. Well, well let me ask you. Do you think wasn't working. Do you think this lack of approach has anything to do with the fact that a culture has seemingly been uh, established with this team really since day one going back to spring training, even the offseason signing of, of Stanton? Do you think this culture of, of Bash Bros, Murders Row Part 2 – just uh, a power hitting team. Do you think this culture has anything to do with that? Do you think that's affected them mentally? Here's what I will say. When you mentioned the 2019 season, this off season is going to tell me a lot of, of the, of that culture. Do they add the small cheap pieces of players that get on base? They work walks. Um, you know, the more single doubles guys, you know, it's, is that more of, of what happens or do they go for the Bryce Harpers, the Manny Machados just to bolster that lineup even more? I don't know because I, I personally, I don't want either one of them. I don't think Bryce Harper or Manny Machado belongs on the team, but with your ideology, I think that culture was created this year. I think Glaber Torres and Andujar hitting as many home runs as they did for their rookie season kind of blew their head up a little bit, and they got away from what got them to that level. Glaber right. Torres never hit more than like 10 home runs in any season in the minor leagues. And all of a sudden, he has 10 in his first two months, and it's like that's all he's trying to do now. That's where coaching needs to come in. That's where approach needs to be taught. Let's get back to what works for you and what got you here, what makes you one of the top prospects. But I don't know, man. I, I really hope things don't stay this way because I don't think it's successful long term. I think I think you can kind of wear some teams down during the regular season that way. I think eventually you're going to run into quite a few home runs like they obviously did. But I don't think it's going to be – a long-term clutch runner in scoring position situation. Yeah, I think we both can agree on that. And I think another thing we can agree on, kind of focusing on game four, is that Angel Hernandez was once again horrendous. Yeah, not surprised. Like I think, I don't know how you feel about this, but trying to be as objective as possible here, I think... You all, your your staff got boned over more in the first half of the game, and then later in the game, he started squeezing us a little bit. Right. I don't know if you felt the same way. Um, yeah, but I agree. It was. I w- I would say that it w- it was on both sides. Specifically in the ninth. Yeah. Specifically in the ninth, you guys really got squeezed. Craig Kimball really got squeezed. Well, that's the I- thing is that uh, that was another reason that contributed to the fact that I wasn't feeling stressed out about what was happening in the ninth because I was more so focused on how bad the strike, the, the ball and strike calls were from, from him. Yeah. So I did a little digging on, on Angel Hernandez. I don't know if you're aware of this. He's in the middle of a lawsuit with MLB. I saw that. Yeah. He's suing MLB for saying that he's been discriminated against for getting big games. Well, yeah, they won't put him in the world series. Cuban. Yeah, because he's Cuban and they won't make him the crew chief or whatever. Well, 
apparently the um, chief baseball officer is Joe Torrey, right? Right. Apparently they have like a long feud of not liking each other when Joe Torrey was managing. And so I think Angel's side is saying that that he's not getting these games because Joe Torrey's in that role and Joe Torrey has a feud against him or whatever from his managing days. And that's his argument. No, the truth is you're horrible. You're absolutely terrible. I, I also read in the article that uh, of the vote for, I think it was players and coaches, that Angel was like the third, he was voted the third worst umpire in the big leagues. He's confrontational with players. Um, you know, we actually didn't really see that too much these past two games. But um, well, yeah, because you have no ground to stand on. Like, what are you going to say to a guy? I'm out here doing my job. Well, you're not. Yeah, you're horrible. You're absolutely miserable. And I really don't understand the discrimination thing. I I I, I don't know if I can buy it. I really can't. Because if any, if we can say anything about baseball more than any other sport, is the culture we have, the multiculture that we have with people from all over the world playing our game. Right. I mean, you know some I mean? of the best players in the game are not from Hispanic. Here. Yeah. So it's like I don't, I don't buy it one bit. I don't see that being the case, and I don't know if there's some type of some type of hidden thing that he like his lawyers like hey if we sue you can stick around and keep your job for another year or two right so like i don't know what's happening but i don't want to see him anymore he is eligible to umpire in the world series this year they can't do back-to-back series so he won't be in the championship series but he is eligible for the world series i really hope he doesn't get chosen yeah, that'd uh, truly be disappointing. Uh, speaking of disappointments, who with this series? Surprises, disappointments for the Yankees? So many. But uh, the biggest one that stands out is uh, disappointment in Boone. Um, I think it's very clear that that he is not managing this team. Well, I think Brian Cashman is managing this team along with the analytics team and the fact uh, that they're just playing on talent alone, I would say. Yeah. There has to be decisions to get you over the hump. There, ha- there has to be some type of pep talk happening when, when you get crushed 16 to one, there has to be some type of fire in certain situations. There has to be some type of re- relaxed. He always has looked in between. He, he looks awkward in the dugout. He's always looked, strange to me just he looks out of place i'm extremely disappointed in the way he handled the pitching staff um our our biggest strength if anything is our bullpen we should be quick to pull that trigger to get into the bullpen and twice two games at home uh we lost those games and I, i it's it's obviously down it comes down to the players not doing their job but there is some blame to be put on Aaron Boone and I'm my, he's my biggest disappointment. Um, I'm actually surprised about Aaron judge. I didn't expect him to get over his wrist injury and really do what he did in the postseason. I think he played really well. He really carried I'm, that. He really carried that boom box pretty well down the hallway. 
Yeah, yeah. Honestly. I'm just surprised that, you know, to to basically come back a week before the postseason, if that, to get ABs and to really do damage in the playoffs. It was it was impressive. Do damage. That's yeah, uh it's quite a theme, I would say. Cashman yeah. really, really making a big mistake with that one. Also, again, just another note to Aaron Judge. Don't ever do what you did with the boombox ever again. We'll see you next year. Or we'll year. take we'll take two from you guys in New York again. No, we're coming next year. Uh, well, just wrapping up this series, my disappointment was I think it's pretty obvious. Um, Mookie Betts, uh, he was able to get over his his RBI monkey, got that off his back. But as as an, as basically the MVP, you got to we we need more from him. Uh, he just had three hits in the series. To put it in perspective. Brock Holt, Ian Kinsler, and Steve Pierce had four. Um, obviously, Holt had more than Mookie in one game, but um, I don't know. I mean, hopefully we get more out of them in the LCS, but I'm not holding my breath on that considering who they have to face. Um, I would say my surprise, I already mentioned him, Brock Holt, huge, huge game three. We needed We needed some sort of spark from somebody who – probably wasn't expected to do something big and i think he was that he i would say without question he was that guy obviously the was cycle. it strange was it strange for you to not see him in game four to start no because i've i've looked into that and apparently cora was well aware of the the moves he had to make and they paid off um i think there's people talking about uh maybe sitting kinsler and if i recall kinsler had that big uh, RBI double that just got over Gardner's head. Um, so, I mean, the the questionable, if you will, the questionable calls that Coors made thus far, um, I would say for the most part have paid off. So, I mean, as a fan, yeah, I was a little surprised after a big game like that. But yeah, if you're able to back it up with the next guy in line, then so be it. But looking ahead to this weekend, I guess we can cover – Brewers Dodgers since they play Friday. Um there's a lot of a lot of question marks surrounding this series. Uh, don't really know much about pitching beyond game one. We know that Kershaw's going game one, as you would expect. Milwaukee, we don't really know who's who's going for them. You might think that this series might be a bullpen thing for them. Don't really know. But uh Yasiel Puig, as I'm sure you've heard, is convinced that LA is uh, taking down Milwaukee in four games. What are your What are your thoughts on that? I don't see that happening. Um, this is one that I I really don't know. I think both series are going to go six or seven games. But me, as a general baseball fan, that's what I always hope for. Um, I I don't see a sweep, but I don't know if like. I don't know if a bullpen can really get you through, you know, a, a, an entire playoffs. You know, like you need someone to step up from the starting rotation eventually. And I would agree with you on that. But at the same time, we're not talking about just any bullpen. Like Milwaukee's got one of the best in the league. Sure. Um, but I do agree with you, especially in a seven. We're not talking five-game series here. We're, we're moving it up to seven, which obviously puts a little more stress on the on the back end, but I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I I think um, 
I don't know. Christian Yelich is hot. Um, he's been hot all year, obviously. And uh, Machado's been hitting well. Um, strikes out a lot, but he still, you know, finds a way to hit the ball, the ballpark, and hit doubles and stuff. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a pretty evenly matched playoff. Well, let me ask you, even having the best record in the National League, do you feel, do you, would you agree with, with the number of people that think it's, it's kind of Milwaukee um, taking this us against the world kind of approach as like almost an underdog? Yeah. I mean, I think that. Because even, because even as LA you've got, I mean, they've got one of the highest payrolls in baseball and I, I would almost, I would almost argue that that exacerbates like the kind of the villain role. And I, I think it's, it there's, there's kind of a dynamic here with LA kind of being viewed as a villain with their recent history and kind of just the characters they have on their team, but also Milwaukee feels as though they haven't been getting much respect, understandably. So there, it's an interesting dynamic. 100%. I mean, I think that it's it's still Milwaukee being the underdog. I think it's, um, yeah, I think they're still fighting for it. And it's, they, they don't get the respect for the, for the exact reason that we can't name more than like two or three pitchers on their staff. Like, right. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy watching them play. Um, I think they're still the underdog for sure, even with the favored record and 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 doing so well in the uh, regular season. So like, I don't know. I I uh... well, because the reason I asked is because I actually I was scrolling through Twitter last night and I saw a tweet where it's, somebody said that nobody outside of Wisconsin wants to see Milwaukee in the World Series, which kind of leads me to believe that that's kind of that kind of contributes to their their mentality that's untrue i think that's very untrue i want to see them in in the world series um because i i've made this known i don't like the dodgers i don't i don't like i very much don't like their manager for long-term history reasons Puig bothers me um, Manny Machado bothers me. Justin Turner's beard bothers me. All of this bothers me. I don't like the Dodgers. No, I that's love... just that's just petty. <laughs> you don't like the guy because of his beard. <laughs> I uh, I the only guy I like in the Dodgers is Kershaw. This is the only guy I like. Hey, Brian Dozier's a nice guy. I think he's overrated, but that's beside the point. Um, no, I think you can you can safely say every pretty much every Diamondbacks fan is rooting for the Brewers. Every Rockies fans rooting for the Brewers. Mostly California, except for LA, is probably rooting for the Brewers. So no, I, I don't think. Well, I, I think I think place. the tweet was more so. It wasn't in reference to, or I don't think it was including rather the population of people that just hate the Dodgers. Yeah. Like I, I think it was more so looking at like obje- at the objective baseball fan, somebody who doesn't have a, a dog in the fight. I think that's what it was kind of referring to. And I, there's part of me that kind of believes it, but at the same time, I'm sure there's people that also would love to see a smaller market team make it in. Yeah, it's, it's so difficult because like that argument is trumped from that, uh, was it 05 with the Astros and the White Sox? Yep. What year was that? Yeah, I was oh 
05? Yeah. I think it was 05. Yeah. And it was still um, when the Astros are still in the NL. Yep. And it's just like, I don't, ew. Like, I, I, I wanted nothing to do with that World Series. It was, I'm not looking forward to watching this at all. So I think to me, that's almost like a Tampa, Tampa Bay, Philly World Series. Yeah. That was just a, a gross, Ugh. gross match. Brutal. Terrible. But, um, I, I totally agree. I think one underdog team, one small market team gets the job done. But along with what you and I have been saying, that we are due of an old school matchup. We're really needing an old school matchup in the World Series. So, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that too. So give me Boston and L.A. That's what I've been saying for the last few months. I'm impressed. I'm still I'm hanging impressed. in there. Yeah. Both my guys are out, so. Well, speaking of the Sox, I know we just talked for, talked about them for what seems like ever. I'm personally not upset with that, but I'm sure not everybody's as much of a Red Sox fan as I am. So let's just run through the ALCS preview real quick. Um, first note that we should uh, be aware of, these ALCS games are unfortunately going to be covered by TBS. So, uh, the, so the games, even if it wasn't the Red Sox, even if it was Yankees Astros, I would still be more interested in that series because, as I've made clear on here, I'm an AL guy. So those are the games I'm going to be tuning into. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch both series, but those those are ones I'm going to be watching extra close. And unfortunately, I might have to watch them on mute <laughs> if I don't if I don't get blacked out first. Yeah, um, garbage. But so basically, just kind of looking at this matchup, it's not really a mystery. This is a showdown uh, between a obviously two strong offenses, but it's really going to come down to whether Boston's offense can beat Houston's pitching. Because although Boston's pen is shaky, their their starting staff, I would say, isn't as shaky. So that could be a flip of the coin. You know, Houston's starters are going to come out strong. Um, I mean, game one, we've got Verlander versus Sale. In game two, Price versus Cole. Um, that's all we know for now. The remaining games are TBD. Um, but kind of my thoughts about this matchup was, uh, even though Boston, to me, obviously has a better record in baseball, Houston is the only team, in my opinion, where you can pretty much say, okay, throw out the records, throw all that out the window. These are basically two evenly matched teams or two of the more evenly matched teams that we've seen thus far. Um, I mean, they both got different strengths. Um, both have many strengths and they, they each have few weaknesses. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I think I would, I would go out on a limb, but I don't really feel like I'm necessarily going out on a limb by saying, I think this will be the, the better series of the two just in terms of, of talent and potential. I don't know if you feel differently. Yeah, I agree. And I personally think, and like you said, it's not really going out on a limb. I think David Price has already been named for the game two starter. Yep. I think he's going to hurt you again. I don't think, I don't think I'm fully, I'm fully prepared to, to be going into game three, uh, Todd one, one. Yeah. I don't think it's his, uh, his little, you know, monkey on his back has is wearing a Yankees jersey. I think it's a playoff jersey. And uh, I think the Astros just, they're that team that is just, it's, um, 
they, they take advantage of almost every opportunity, you know? And um, they take advantage is, of mistakes too, big time. Yeah. I mean, they're just, this is a very evenly matched, very similar team matchup. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch. Well, I think two things we have to keep in mind. Obviously, Boston's bullpen was exposed in the Yankee series. Um, but I say exposed, it, it wasn't really a secret. Um, but just the fact that they kind of held true to what everybody had been saying about them. They they struggle in the late innings. Uh, but on the flip side with Houston, I pose the question, and I'm sure a lot of people say I'm crazy, but it's something worth considering. We saw it play out in front of – like in front of our own eyes, but will having played kind of a lackluster Indians club who prior to the ALDS hadn't really played any competitive games for months. Do you think having played them and having swept them, uh, do you think that'll affect Houston out of the gate at all? Or do you think they'll, they'll continue to pick right back up where they're at? Maybe so. Maybe so. I mean, even in that clinching game uh, against Cleveland what was this it was like it was like eight eight one or seven one or something yeah it was it wasn't even close it blow up but if you watch that game those runs weren't tacked on until like the eighth and ninth it was a decent game before that it was like a three one four one kind of game and then you know the Indians were became even more lackluster and then it just got piled on right um they they can't afford to, to sit around that long in a, in a game against the Red Sox, they can't afford to just wait. Um, everything needs to be, you know, really piled on. I think there's going to be a lot of stolen bases. I think there's going to be, you know, some, some clutch hit and runs. I think we're going to see old school baseball by both teams. Um, I don't know. It's, I think we're set for really good uh, championships, championship series in both leagues um a lot of stars uh milwaukee with growing stars obvious stars in la and then fun entertaining baseball between the red sox and the uh, and the astros i think we're really set up for a good week of solid baseball does it pain you to say red sox versus astros and not your beloved pinstripes kills me man really kills me like i'm <laughs> truly in denial i'm truly just just messed up right now i tried taking it easy on you today i know i know you're in a in a dark state right now understandably so having and that's having boston come in and pull the rug out from underneath you two games in a row at home the it was that's an attest to our friendship because i don't even think we talked during those two games like you didn't even text me during those games no and that's just and that was intentional necessary i didn't text you after the the david price meltdown so well the way i see it the way i see it is there wasn't any need for me to say anything because lo and behold blasting in the locker room after the game four victory new york new york i i just knew that once you once you came across that on social media that that would be that would be more than anything that I could say to you. That was rough. Uh, that I've put the exclamation been, point on the whole deal. I've been super light on social media these last couple of days. Super light. Not really looking too far into it. I can't. I'm hurting. Well, 
I haven't been feeling all that great uh, lately, so I don't have the energy to come up with a witty transition to our Seed Geek ad. So I'm just going to read it off, you know? Good just, just go, Good Just go simple here. Uh, do you need tickets? Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? Or are you even, or are you even looking months ahead? You would think that I would have read this before. Right. Are you even looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets to games, concerts, shows, and even theater performances with just a few easy clicks. We're making it even better for you if you're a first-time user of SeatGeek. The next time you add some tickets to your cart, use our promo code DTD at checkout to save $20 instantly off your first purchase as a first-time user. That's all you got to do to save some of that cold, hard cash and our promo code DTD at checkout. Well, we covered all the points that you and I discussed before we hopped on. Obviously, don't want to don't want to end the episode on an ad read. So before we go, I'll just share a little something that uh, you and the listeners might have heard about in the last 24 hours. Um, it's unrelated to the postseason, but it's been revealed that in the recent weeks or months, there uh, hasn't been much clarity in, in regards to the time frame uh, with when it all went down. But apparently, the Cubs made a multi or a multi year offer to Chris Bryant in an attempt to lock him up long term. The rumor is that it was around two hundred million, uh, but he turned yeah, down right. the deal. So it sounds like he's going to be moving forward on a year by year basis in terms of salary increases, waiting until he becomes a free agent after the, I believe it's 2021 season to, I guess, just test the demand of the market. Um, yeah. What are your, what are your initial thoughts on that? Just real quick. It, probably smart. Um, probably smart. Cause he's obviously still in the arbitration years. Um, so I think he's, he'll get a good chunk because of what he's done. Um, and what else you get at that position uh, throughout the league. So uh, I think it's smart. Well, my initial thought when I heard this, and I don't know how the logistics of the financials and contracts and all that stuff work out, um, but my concern was that if the rumor is true, I mean, it's not even really a rumor. I'm sure at this point it's almost fact that they're interested in, in nailing down Harper. Like, if if you're trying to get him long term, and I get that, like you want to lock down Chris Bryant as as an appeal to Harper, like look, we're we're solidifying our foundation here. But because that didn't happen, at least for now, for the time being, like how does that look to Harper, and like how is that going to affect their their chances of of picking him up? Yeah. So I don't know. I think we'll see. They got to dump Jason Hayward's contract if oh, they want Harper. Gosh. That's for sure. I guess we'll see. As always, time will tell. Um, but that about does it. I don't. I don't have anything else unless you have anything else. Uh, bold prediction could be very wrong. Oh but yeah, if let's run through Kershaw, predictions real quick. Let's go through series predictions. Well, my prediction was more individualized with Clayton Kershaw. I think if he has a good postseason, uh, I I think he's going to opt out of his contract. Very interesting. Yeah. Moving on to um, the, the outcomes of both. I'm going to say Dodgers in six, Astros in seven. And then uh, Astros in seven. I'm going to I'm gonna say the same in terms of each league, but I'm obviously going with Boston and L.A., so I'm going to go Boston in seven and L.A. in six. I really think uh, this Boston-Houston series is going to go down to the wire. Um, well, that about does it for us. 
Unless you have any final thoughts you need to share. I don't think so. Do you have a little nugget waiting for us? You're all set. No, that's that's about it. But anyway, thanks as always for tuning in. We'll catch back up with you guys early next week to recap the LCS weekend. In the meantime, subscribe to that podcast wherever you listen to it and leave that review. Five stars. We love you all, and as always, we're looking forward to talking more baseball soon. Until then, stay filthy.